Welcome to the final broadcast on not only the Roman Empire, but of the ancient world. In this podcast, we will discuss the reasons for the decline and quote-unquote fall of the Roman Empire. And as we know from our high school history and grammar school sociology or social studies classes, that Rome, by and large, fell in 476 AD. So we're going to then back up and take that apart as to what we mean by either fell, faded, moved, or actually never fell at all. So with this, they take to take that year 476 AD, what we historians are fantastic for is looking for patterns that change going back to a certain time. And this is where and why historians postulate that Rome fell in 476 AD. And again, it is only a theory. The reason being is if we could go back in our proverbial time machine to New Year's Eve 476 AD, and let's go to December 31st, let's go to any type of New Year's Eve party that we could possibly find, even though that, of course, their New Year's Eve is not our New Year's Eve in modern times, including the actual chronological date. Nevertheless, it's the end of their year. 476 is the last day of the year. When they wake up the next morning, it's going to be the first day of the new year, 477. If we could go back to any of those New Year's Eve parties and really kick back and take in and celebrate the end of 476 Roman Empire style, if you will, and went to bed and woke up the next morning, January 1st, or the first day of 477 AD in the Roman world, you were not going to find anybody that's walking around with the severe bedhead look, others with the hangovers, scratching their heads saying, wow, Rome's gone now. Boy, that sucks. But wasn't it great when we lived in the time of the Roman Empire and now it's just simply all gone? It didn't work like that, folks. It didn't work like that then. We know it didn't work like that now. Rather, when historians say that Rome fell in 476, what they mean is that the Rome from 477 on was different than the Rome before 476. And this is part of the reason why that Rome really doesn't fall so much as fades out. There are still, and one will find, the list of Roman emperors carrying on past 476. Right, the Roman army is still going to run around the 35 countries that make up the present day, in the present day that make up the Roman Empire. They're still running around. But the Roman flag continues to weaken from 477 on. So let's look at, again, why those theories abound as to what happened to Rome in 476. So first off, with the idea that Rome fell, again, good luck trying to find a historian that says, oh, absolutely, come the new year, 477, Rome evaporated. No, not at all. It's still on the map. It's still in the playbook. Rather, what's happening, for those that say Rome didn't fall, much less even fade away, another theory is that it moved that the Roman Empire largely moved its seat of power from present-day Rome, Italy, to present-day Istanbul, Turkey. As we know, prior to Istanbul 
one of the most beautiful cities that one can travel to. And I say a beautiful city, I mean by air, by water, and by land, as I've seen it twice. It is beyond a breathtaking city, which I encourage any listener, if you ever have the opportunity and the travel dollars to do so, to go look at this wonderful country and this beautiful city, the only one that actually sits on two continents, Europe and Asia. So rather, before Istanbul was Istanbul, prior to that, it was Constantinople. Prior to that, it was Byzantium. So why then does it change from Byzantium from the ancient world to Constantinople, because it's named after Constantine. Constantine is the one that largely, we believe, laid the foundation for the Roman capital to be moved from modern-day Rome, Italy, to modern-day Istanbul, Turkey. So that's where the seat of power largely moves to. And I think, well, really, Chris, is that a play on words because did it maybe whimper slowly or shortly after that? No. The... Ottoman Empire later on, as it will become known, when Rome, the seat of the Roman Empire, largely moves that far east to modern-day Istanbul, they're going to reign until 1453. That's almost or just shy of a full 1,000 years more that the Roman Empire will continue to reign, although, again, not necessarily under that name as we know it, the Roman Empire. So that's the reason why some historians say that, hey, it, it doesn't actually fall. It doesn't even really fade away. In some cases, it moves. So then let's look at this other theory, that Rome not, not only didn't fall, didn't fade, and didn't move, that actually Rome continued on through to the modern times, through to at least present day. I can't get into the futures business. My job is in, in the past this, as a historian. But they those that argue that Rome still exists with us today and not just a play on words. That rather after 476, the seat of power, the power to control the minds and the people that made up the Roman Empire simply was transformed from a political institution to the ever-strengthening religious institution known as Christianity. This is the reason why if an individual comes up to me and somehow in our discussion says, I'm a Christian, my first question to them, if the conversation lends itself, is are you a Protestant Christian, an Orthodox Christian, or a Roman Catholic? Notice that term before Catholicism, Roman Catholicism. Ladies and gentlemen, again, it is not a play on words for those theorists that argue that the Roman Empire largely was transformed into the Roman Catholic Church. There's good reason for that. Notice that the political hierarchy that made up the Roman world mirrors today's Roman Catholic hierarchy. All of the major Christian Roman Catholic feast days of Christmas, Easter, parallels the pagan holidays, which were celebrated by the Romans for centuries before that. Remember to try to recruit more and more people to a new way of life and a new way of thinking. The more that you can draw from them and demonstrate that there are common denominators from their old way of thinking to the new, the better your chances of recruiting new members. 
So the Roman Catholic Church largely kept the same political hierarchy of five layers of authority, kept the same pagan holidays from the end of December when the days are getting shorter and shorter, which the Roman pagans called the celebration of lights, would turn out to be retrofitted the birth of Christ, the light of Christ, which is the reason why to this day Christians throughout the world celebrate Christmas with largely the one holiday of a given year that has such an emphasis on, you named it, lights. How many people decorate their outside of their house around the end of December with lights? The Christmas tree where there's lights on, lit decorations throughout the house besides the Christmas tree. Moving along into the calendar year into the next year, we get to the Roman Festival of Spring or the Festival of Fertility. Ironically enough, the pagan symbol for that, the egg, which eventually becomes the Roman Catholic Easter egg. Again, these parallels abound, which is the reason why, again, some historians say actually Rome didn't change at fall. It didn't fade. It didn't even move. It expanded to the world community, arguably housing one of the largest groups of members, three billion plus around the world today. So let's get back then. Is there any common denominators to Rome faded, fell, moved, or expanded under the religious institution of the day, which was now the official religion of the empire, Christianity? Well, let's just look at just a couple of historians, one of them being Edward Gibbons. And as, as Gibbons stressed in his rise and fall of the Roman Empire is that there were many theories that abound as to why Rome was dissolved. But bottom line is, there is no single cause. Do you really think that an empire, a collection of people under one political form of leadership that existed from 700 BC to 470s AD, you really think something like that is truly going to fall for just one reason? It's a little more complicated than that. And that's what Gibbons definitely tries to stress in his theories as to why Rome fell. Does he have any one area that he thinks was more predominant than another? Sure, you guessed it, Christianity. Christianity, as, he, as Edward Gibbons argued, is that the ideas were concentrated on the second world to the point that he described the Christians as having this defeatist attitude that made it impossible to tax and even more impossible in some cases to govern them because they were governed by the Bible the New Testament, not the Old Testament, and certainly not the laws of the old Roman world. Henry Perrion argues that it was the economic and social theory. Once again, he does stress, though, the impact of the rising Christian religion was splintering the empire. Likewise, the inability to raise tax revenues forced the empire into bankruptcy. And finally, John Bury, as he states, there was really no single cause. Although he does say the rise of Christianity was overwhelming the empire. And that then brings us to the end of not only the Roman world, but the ancient world. You don't need me to tell you on any podcast that as we leave the ancient world, we're going into a new age. An age that will retrospectively, as we know, last roughly a thousand years. Occasionally, I will throw this question out to my students when I ask them, 
after the ancient world, what period of history are we getting into? And most students will raise their hand and give me the politically correct answer called the Middle Ages. But I ask them for, let's just say, the not-so-politically correct title for the Middle Ages. And of course, a hand or two will go up and they'll say, yep, the Dark Ages. Why dark? Why middle? If it's middle, that means there was a beginning and then an end part. And sure, you could argue, well, obviously, Chris, that end part is going to be the age that follows the Middle Ages, except for one problem. There isn't one age that follows the Middle Ages. There's multiple ages, as we'll eventually discuss, that are immediately going to follow the Middle Ages. But notice within that 1,000-year period, there is by and large, in the Western world, no distinction within those time periods. Sure, people will say the high Middle Ages, the low Middle Ages, etc., the end set of the Middle Ages. Sure, we have ways to chronologically demarcate the various 1,000-year period. But consider this. If you took an individual born in 500 AD and plucked him or her out of this world when they, let's just say, died of natural causes, let's say they had a glorious life into their 80s, and died in 580 AD, and took them out of this world and put them back again in 1480 A.D. It's amazing that they essentially could walk out from their former life in the 500s A.D. and be able to assimilate quite easily roughly 1,000 years later. That's how little is going to change in this 1,000-year period which is what some historians say is the evidence of why we call it the Dark Ages. But dark, dark implies that there was a light on. And I can't point to any one source to say this is where I'm getting it from. But if I were to ask you, what's the opposite of dark? What's your answer going to be? The opposite of dark is light. So that implies then that roughly that 400,000-year period that we discussed in the various podcasts from 400,000 BC to 476 AD, that there must have been lights on. And lights must go back on after 1,000 AD, after this 1,000-year period known as the Middle Ages. So if there was a light on in the ancient world, who put that light out in the age of the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages? What kind of light are we talking about? And most importantly, who's responsible for turning that light back on? Because once that light turns back on, at the end of the period we call the Middle Ages, you listen to those podcasts, you better have your seatbelt on. Because once that light goes back on, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be the pedal to the metal. And all the way through to the 21st century, we not only have not slowed that vehicle down, we haven't even maintained speed. We're going faster and faster and faster. Tune in to those future podcasts and I'll flush that out and prove it to you. But let me end again by leaving you with this question. 
who turned off the lights that brought on the age that we call the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages? That who, by and large, is the person you're listening to, and it's also the person I'm speaking to. See you in that future podcast. Thank you for listening. Go to my website, ceconsella.com. Email me with any questions or comments you might have, especially book recommendations as well. I more than appreciate. And if you like what we discussed today, please feel free to leave me a review as well. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.